This morning, I just kind of want to just jump right into my sermon. Um, I, I feel like I can confidently say this. You can look at someone next to you and say, God has something for you this morning. <laughs> I really believe that maybe he's already given you something, um, but I believe God has something for each one of us this morning. And how can we expect that not to be the case when we're coming to his table? How can we expect that not to be the case when we're celebrating communion together? Um, As a pastor, uh, last week I finished up a series on the kingdom of God. Believe me, I did not cover the fullness of the kingdom. That would take probably at least a year or three Jesus took, so probably maybe three because he was a better teacher than I am. I think so. Um, But I just strongly encourage you, continue to look into that, uh, spend time in that. This this sermon this morning on communion is going to kind of be a transition It kind of jumps from the kingdom to where I'm going uh, for the next few weeks after this. But anyway, we we have these things that we do in church, and sometimes they can be just things. Like sometimes they can just be whatever. Sometimes we can miss uh, what's happening. We we do them enough or we do them um, uh, so many times that that we lose the context or we lose the picture of what it is. And so this morning I want to pause on communion and look at this idea through the lens of Scripture. I usually read some verses um, when I do communion. This is my mode. This is what happens when I lead communion. I usually read these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed. He took bread when he given thanks. He broke it. He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. In remembrance of me, for when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I think sometimes we can look at words like this, just in those three or four verses, whatever it is. And I, when I became a pastor or when I was in school uh, studying about being a pastor, I got to get these books. There were three of them that told me how to do specific services. So there was a book that, you know, there's one that talked about doing funerals and there's one that talks about doing weddings and there's one that talks about baby dedications or, or all these different things, you know, that you might come across in life. And, and this almost sounds like it could be an excerpt from a book, like a, a, a pastor's manual. Like when you do communion, that's why I read it, because I think it reads really well. I think it flows really well. When you do it, just do these things. For I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. He took some bread. He gave it to his disciples. You know, he gave thanks. He broke it. He took a cup. He said, this is a cup of the new covenant. Do this and remember to me like it works it flows it's like it's it's a manual for me to follow but the interesting thing is that's pulling this out of the verses in which it's situated i was talking about how sometimes we can lose sight of what this is and really that's the the reality of the church in corinth the the letter of of first corinthians paul wrote to the church in corinth and he's got some pretty strong rebukes in this letter look at what he says Just before these verses. This probably isn't a good letter to get. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Thanks, Paul. Feeling really good about this. So let's just skip ahead to verse 23, right? Isn't that what we do in life? Like, hey, I don't want to see what this says, so let's get to the part that I know. Let's get to the part that I'm familiar with. But he says in the following directives, uh, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. This is an ouch moment. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. I mean, you talk about, that's a little jab right there. (laughs) 
I know you guys well enough. Anyway, uh, Paul is, is correcting something right now, and obviously it's got him a little fired up. Uh, no doubt there, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Paul has begun to hear what the Lord's Supper has become in the church in Corinth. They've done it enough that they've lost sight. Now, this isn't too far after Jesus, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to guess within 30 to 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection is when this letter was written, probably closer to that 30 years after. And so here we have Paul addressing this issue with the church in Corinth. And he said, you know, it's kind of like in your car. Have you ever had a car? Like in most of us have. And then it gets out of alignment. And so it just keeps pulling to the right. Or it pulls to the left, hopefully to the right, so then you're not in other traffic. But you know what I mean? Like, and really that's what's happened is, is they've kind of gotten out of focus with what they're doing. And Paul's just trying to take their heads and he's trying to do an alignment on them spiritually. Like, you guys have completely missed what this meal is supposed to be about. Now, they were doing it a lot different than us. You say, how can you get drunk? Well, we serve grape juice. And how can you get enough to eat? We serve just little crackers. Obviously, they were doing a different meal uh, when, they were, when they were celebrating. But the whole purpose was they were coming together to do what? Paul says, for I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you. The practice of what they were trying to accomplish was the table, was, was the communion table. And so after the verses that I read... So we say, well, maybe it was not just before, but after he says, so then, here's the conclusion, whoever drinks or whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. He said, you guys are kind of out of alignment. I've received this from the Lord. I've given it to you. And here's what's going to happen. We all ought to examine our hearts before we come to his table. You know, Mom, Grandma always said you should wash your hands before you come to the table. Show up at Grandma's table with dirty hands. You might have broken knuckles, right, Rosemary? She would never break anyone's knuckles, by the way. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many of you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. Paul is addressing the church in Corinth and he's saying, you're not approaching this, this table with the right position of your heart. Right, Greg? You're not approaching this table with the right mentality or with the right mindset of what's, what's being accomplished. And when I recognize what you're doing, when I hear stories of what you're doing, Paul's hearing reports of, of people getting drunk and other people not sharing their food and other people taking others for granted and others positioning themselves above others and having these little, these little meals and part of, of what Jesus Christ has designed. You're supposed to be coming to his table. And he said, you're not doing it the way God designed. And because of that, right? Is this a fair interpretation of what I'm reading? Because of that, there are issues that you're experiencing in the body of Christ. Because of that, because you haven't examined or positioned yourself for what's happening at this table, you're experiencing something in your life that you don't like. That's why there's people who are sick. That's why there are people who are weak and who have died, who have fallen asleep. Because you're taking the table for granted. 
And some might say, Pastor, I mean, it's seriously, it's a dehydrated cracker that doesn't taste good and some grape juice that you're talking about today. Right? I mean, isn't that the position that we can have of our heart? Where did, where did Paul, Paul said he received it from Jesus? So let's just look at back at Luke 22. This is, this is when this all began. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to him saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is where it's starting to sound familiar. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When you continue in Luke chapter 22, look at what verse 28 through 30 says. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom. Just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the, or at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is the bridge verse from my series that was to my series that's coming. What did Jesus Christ do at the Lord's Supper? Yes, he partook of the Passover meal with his followers, but then he spoke something. What did he tell them he was giving them? What did he tell them he was giving or conferring on them is the clue. The table is a revelation of the kingdom of God. And Jesus looks at his disciples after they've shared the cup, after they've taken the bread, they've broken the bread, and he says, I'm going to confer, I'm going to place upon you, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God. Last week, what did I use? This is, oh gosh, this is not what pastors want to do, refer to the previous week's sermon to see if people paid attention or not. Last week, what was the the evidence of the kingdom of God that we talked about? Thank you, Greg. At least someone got it. That makes me feel good. We talked about the presence of God was the evidence of the kingdom of God. That if we can find the presence of God, we should expect the kingdom of God. That if someone says they're a part of the kingdom of God, but the presence of God isn't there, that's not likely a scenario that we should expect. The presence is the indicator of the kingdom. So Jesus is conferring on his disciples what? I believe this table is all about the presence of God. When we look at the entirety of scripture, it's interesting. The table is something that's going to be what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. I know I've preached on it before, but I believe in it enough that I want to revisit it for us today. The table is something biblically that is profound. It's something that in our lives we've taken for granted. Some of us have them, some of us don't. We don't need them anymore. But the table is a tool consistently in Scripture in which the people of God experience the presence of God. The table is a place of God's presence. When you look at the sacrifice, the sacrifice took place on a table and God would meet man. It's a place where God meets man is at the table. You look at Moses, he's given directions on building a a tabernacle. And you know what's funny? In the middle of the directions, there's this place that they were told to make. It's called either the table of showbread, some, some, some places will call it the table of presence. 
The Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the altar of incense. This is all the holy place. And in the midst of the holy place, there was to be a table. And that table was called the table of presence. Now, that's pretty cool when I start thinking about this table. Because what does scripture say was placed on that table? Now, God's pretty smart, if you guys were wondering. And he's got plans that he fulfills. So in the Old Testament, when Moses was instructed to build the ark, that was the place, or the tabernacle, the tabernacle was the place in which the presence of God would reside. He was given the instruction to have a table. And guess what he put on that table? Over the table of the presence, I love that, the table of the presence, they're to spread a blue cloth and put on it the plates, the dishes, the bowls, and the jars for the drink offering. Well, that's, that's not the right one. Put on it the jars for the drink offering. And then he says, and then the bread that is continually there. Oh, no, this bread is not going to be continually there, but it's symbolic of that promise. You see, there was something that God was preparing his people for even when Moses was, was, was preparing the tent of meeting or the tabernacle for his people. In Exodus chapter 25, make a table of acacia wood two cubits long and a cubit wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it and put the bread of the the presence on this table to be before me at all times. I believe that when we come to this table, we should expect the presence of God. I believe that this table was set in remembrance so that we would experience the presence of God. I believe that, yes, in the Old Testament, in the temple, this table was a table of presence. But I believe that today that is being fulfilled when we as a body come to his table. It is still intended to be a table of presence. It's still intended that when we come to this place that we would experience the presence of God. And I'm not certain, and this is just pastor, so let me just be me for a second. I'm not certain we always come here expecting the presence of God. I think at times we can get misaligned. At times we can, we can start swerving off where we're supposed to be going. And this can become a ritual. And this can become a routine. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Not so that we could memorize some verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But so that we could be, be involved in, that we could encounter his presence. Intentional about the presence of God that is an expectation for you and I. I said there's something this morning for everyone. That's something that I believe for everyone this morning is the presence of God. I don't believe God intends for anyone to come to his table and not experience his presence. How can I say that? First Corinthians chapter 10. We're going back just a little bit further. I speak now. Come on. Who wants to be sensible people this morning? Paul, talk to me. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body. 
for we all share the one loaf. Paul describes communion, this table, as, as participation. Can you participate if you're not present? I mean, how does that work? He says, is not the cup in which you drink a participation in, in, in the cup of thanksgiving? Is not the bread in which you eat? Is it not participation in the body of Christ as we come to this table? He's saying there's something for presence. It's not just his presence, but it's your presence at the table. That was the, the church in Corinth's problem, right? They weren't present at the table. They were misaligned and they were serving self and they were doing their thing and they were indulging in what they wanted. They were feeding their flesh. They weren't experiencing the flesh of God, the body of Christ. He said, I designed this table to be participation for you to be present and for you to experience the presence of God. What does the participation in the cup look like? First John chapter 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. When I participate in that cup, when I, when I, when I participate in this table, the presence of God tells me that Jesus Christ came. The presence of God tells me that Jesus Christ was sacrificed. The presence of God tells me that Jesus Christ bore stripes upon his back so that I might be forgiven, that my sins are forgiven completely. A participation in, in, in the presence of God, a participation in the table of God must be the reality, the reminder, the assurance that my sin has been forgiven. I've said time and time again, sin is that which separates us from God in our life. When I recognize that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed so that I would no longer be separate, but that I would be one with him, it allows me to position myself better for his presence. See, the, the cup, the participation in the cup is the reminder that my sin Sin is forgiven. Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I've been reconciled. Whoa. That's good. What if that was a woe? You talk about the mysteries of this world. The reality of reconciliation in my life. That I was once far off. But now I've been made one. In 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I participate in the, in the cup acknowledging my, my redemption. The price that was paid. The price that was paid for my sin is revealed through this cup. It's reminded through this cup, the cup of the new covenant, the cup of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. I've been redeemed. There's something about that that helps me participate in the presence of God. Huh? 
I want to come to the table when I know there's forgiveness, when I know there's reconciliation, when I know there's redemption there. That's a place that I want to be. That's the reality that I need to know. That's something I need to examine myself. I need to ask myself, am I living in the truth? Am I living in the reality? Am I convinced myself that I've been forgiven? Am I convinced myself that I've been reconciled? Am I been convinced myself that I'm redeemed? Is that what this, is that what this means? Am I convinced that Jesus would set his table so that he could, so that I could come and be a part of it with him, so that I could experience his presence, that I'm worthy enough for the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? For me? We participate not just in the cup, but we participate in the bread. Because there is one loaf, he said in 1 Corinthians 10. We who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. There is fellowship that comes through the table of God. There's joy that comes through, through breaking bread with one another. We're going to have our meal today. Right? We always do that in conjunction with this. We call it, it's called in some church circles an agape meal, a love meal. It's an opportunity for us to have fellowship with one another. It's important to recognize that we're not alone. It's important to recognize that there's other people who were just as crazy or just as, as blessed as we are, whichever way you want to look at it. There's people who are in this with me. There's people who care about me. There's people who want to know about my life. There's people who want to walk with me. There's people who actually will help me if I need help. There's people who will listen if I need to talk. That's like the fellowship that comes when I participate in this. Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. If we're God's children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Participation in the bread is the reality that we are one body. We are what? We are co-heirs. We are children of God. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. I once was... But now I am. I am. We sing a song. I am a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. And in, in, in being a child of God, we can have an expectation when I participate in the bread that there's promise that comes from being a child of God. There's, there's purpose that comes from being a child of God. There's identity that comes from being a child of God, Right? When you were called one of his very own, there's, there's a change in who you become. Tim, is, she's standing in the back because she doesn't want me to talk about her, but I can still see her. So, I mean, there's a change that comes when she's Pastor Steve's wife, right? I mean, when she became one, there's a change. Absolutely. We were just telling one of our kids yesterday, sometimes it's hard being a pastor's kid. Give my kids grace, please. Because sometimes there's an expectation of how you'll behave or how you'll act. It just goes along with being pastor's kid. You know what? Sometimes there's an expectation that comes from being a child of God. When we participate in the body and we say that I'm one with him, sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a challenge that comes. There's a, there's, a, there's a responsibility that comes. There's an expectation that becomes as we participate in that. But the beauty of the expectation is there's promise that comes with that. He doesn't just say you're children, but he says you're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We've got promises that God wants to fulfill in us. How can we come to this table and not realize the promises of God? 
He tells us we're drinking from a cup of the new covenant, that the cup of every promise that God has for us. This table is about his presence. His presence reveals his promises for us, promises that we have because we're children of God. Listen to what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you might do what? Who? Who might participate? In what? The divine nature. Pause. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this yet, but just got a text message. No? Okay, I won't do it then. Now you have to wait and see. It's not fair. All right. Get back on track. His divine nature has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The communion table is a participation in the divine nature of Christ. It's a realization of the blood of Jesus Christ and what was accomplished through that blood. It's a realization of the drink offering that was poured out for us or the body, the bread that is the presence of God that was broken for us. It's the revelation of what God has for us at his table. When we come to his table, we need an expectation for the presence of God. We need to be active participants in what God's accomplishing at this place. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, isn't it funny? What do we do at tables? Most of us. We eat at tables. What happens to what you eat at a table? I'm not going there, not that far. It becomes a part of you. Right? Oh, it's still there, Joellen. Some of us say it's not so temporary, if you know what I'm saying. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, I mean, that was a hard thing for him. Remember what happened to him the first time he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood? That was one of those challenging ministry moments for Jesus. Do you know what happens in Scripture when he says that? Everybody but his disciples left. They said, this is too hard. He doubles down. He's got his disciples and he says, take. None just say take. He said, take and eat. Because what I am needs to become a part of you. Because my presence needs to become one with you. You're a participant in the divine nature. And what Jesus Christ accomplished is absolutely a part of you. The assurance of his body broken. The revelation of his love poured out. It is his body broken, his blood poured out so that that can become a very part of my identity. And when I lose sight of that reality, I miss it completely. This morning we're going to do communion. And you guys can come forward. 
We're going to do it a little different. I want it to be a participation in the body of Christ. Normally we pass out the elements and we pause and reflect over each element and we pray. And this morning I just want to have the table set. I just want the table to be ready. And I want us to be able to be participants in this meal. I want us to think about the cup. I want us to think about the bread. I want us to do what what 1 Corinthians asked us to do, to examine ourselves like, okay, self, why this morning am I coming to his table? And I'll say this, if you feel like you've got to come get a cup, and you've got to come get a little wafer because someone's looking at you, that's not the right reason to come. Examine yourself this morning and, and, and ask yourself, what is this about for me today? We, 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 we had an incredible time of worship and, and just the presence of God and the power of God in this place about answering prayer and, and moving amongst us. And I promise you, he wants his presence to be experienced at his table. So this morning, when you're ready, I'll just keep these words up there. You won't have the words of the song, so you can make them up if you want to sing along with them in worship. But, but I, I wanted you to examine yourself. But this morning, is, the table is, is prepared. The presence is here. When you want to receive it, participate in it. Come get yourself a cup. Come get yourself a wafer. If you want to spend some time in prayer, you can do that. If you want to take it back to your seat, you can do that. If, if whatever you feel like God's telling you to do, that's fine. But His presence this morning is what the table is about. This is the table of the presence of God. Father, we come to you today and we're grateful. We're grateful for the Word of God. We're grateful for the truth of your Word. God, that you've set a table for us. An example in this world of your desire that we would come and have fellowship with you. An example for us this morning that we would come and we would participate with you at your table in every promise that is ours through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that this morning as we participate, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ becomes a very part of who we are. That forgiveness, the reconciliation, the redemption, the fellowship, the promise that is ours in Jesus Christ. God, as we examine ourselves, we recognize there's a heart position that needs to change. If we recognize that there's a sin condition that needs to be forgiven, God, I pray for the fullness of forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Help us to confess and repent. Help us to acknowledge Jesus Christ and what he accomplished and let us live in the fulfillment of forgiveness. God, I pray for your presence, the table of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God set a table because he wants you to participate in his presence.
God said, do this in remembrance of me because he knows we need to be reminded of our place in his presence. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his, his peace, and may you find a place at the table of his presence. Amen.